The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Hi, I'm Adam McDougall, and thank you for joining me for Health Hacker Episode 1. Now, I appreciate that your time is your most valuable asset, so I'm going to make every single second of your time count. I'm going to do this by sharing with you the tools, the tricks, and the routines of the healthiest, happiest, and most successful people in the world. These are what I call health hacks. And joining me on this series of The Health Hacker is my sidekick, my producer, Alex. How are you? I'm good. I've never been called a sidekick before, but if I can (laughs) do a show with you, I'm happy to be called anything to be part of this process with you. Tell me what made you start to help people. Yeah, look, unfortunately for me, it was through a tragic loss of my best friend. He was a little bit overweight, like a lot of Aussie guys. He used to have a gut. Uh, He wore it with pride, actually. We used to joke about how much money he invested in his stomach, and uh, his priorities were probably the wrong way around. He was focused on making money, trying to pay off his mortgage, trying to provide for his family, but um, he put his health second. So, um, you know, it's tough um, to look back now and think I could have done more for him. I probably should have tapped him on the shoulder earlier and said, look, you're not being fair income um, to your family or yourself being overweight and not looking after yourself just isn't fair to them as well as yourself. I challenged him on New Year's Eve of all days to challenge him. And the only way I thought I could challenge him was through making a bet. Most Aussie blokes like a challenge. Um, We don't generally sit down as blokes and and say, does my butt look big in these jeans or how does my gut look in this shirt? Women seem to talk about their feelings a lot more than us blokes do. They're smarter when it comes to their health. Um, So we had a beer on New Year's Eve. I challenged him to lose um, some weight. Um, the bet was that I'd take him out ironically to dinner, um, if he lost the weight that he said he was going to lose. Um, we shook hands. We both went on our separate ways and, uh, he was going to start the challenge, uh, in February once he got back from his family holiday in January. And I, you know, loved my, my mate Dennis. He was always one of them guys that, you know, you'd sit there and wait for his phone call. When you're having a bad day, Dennis's number was always the one you wanted to see pop up on your phone because he always have a funny story to tell or share with you. And then uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. The phone rang at home. It was about 10 o'clock at night, which was odd. When I picked up the phone, I sensed straight away there was something wrong. And uh, I didn't hear Dennis's voice for a a minute. Um, But instead, I I suddenly heard his dad's voice. And his dad just told me that uh, Dennis had died. And then the phone suddenly got hung up. So I rushed to Sydney to be with his wife and his uh, three beautiful young kids. It really struck me, the devastation that, you know, being overweight can have on people and, and their lives and their family. And, um, you know, when I seen the faces of his kids and his wife and they told me that he had actually tried to start to lose weight and wanted to be healthier. Um, I just felt then and there that, um, look, this shouldn't happen again. And, you know, if I can help other guys or girls, um, not, you know, leave this world too quick, um, it, it'd be a good thing. So I've invested now the rest of my life in wanting to inspire and motivate and educate people to live their healthiest and best lives they can. So what made you start learning? Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, I, um, I've been blessed to have played professional sport for 20 years. And as a professional athlete, you probably take for granted the amount of knowledge you have and the education you're afforded and, and some of the great people you get to work with. You know, I've worked with some of the greatest coaches, doctors, dietitians, physiotherapists, scientists in the world. I um, mean, you learn so much off these people. I've studied this stuff at university and I applied it more importantly. You know, it's one thing to read something. Um, but to apply it and see what works and what doesn't work, particularly when it comes to your health is key. And, you know, doing it for 20 years, trying to make sure my body performed at its peak, having to be healthy, having to know what I was putting in my mouth, how to exercise most effectively. It was so much information that I realized that I could share with the average everyday person to make their life better. And now being an average Aussie bloke with two kids, time poor, busy, some of the things that I see people do on every single day, basis, like spend hours at the gym or go on some fad diet. I know it's not going to work. I know it's not sustainable. And I just want to stop them from wasting their times and not getting the results that they need. So 
I feel that I have to share with them the knowledge I've got. It's just not fair to not share it. So that's what I'm here to do. So how do you know so much about health and fitness, Adam? Well, apart from applying it on an everyday basis as a, as a professional athlete, I made a promise to my mum that if I was going to be a professional athlete, that I would go to university at the same time. My mum didn't want to see me just be a dumb meathead, I suppose. Um, so I promised my mum I'd go to university and start getting educated. I didn't think I'd play football for 20 years, but um, that made me have to stay at uni for 20 years. So I've now probably built about four buildings at Newcastle Uni. Hi, everyone there. And, um, you know, I just uh, afforded all my spare time that I wasn't playing football and educating myself and, and trying to empower myself to, to be more knowledgeable about lots of things from maths to statistics to sports, nutrition, to economics, um, you name it. I've studied at university, you know, I've become an Olympic weightlifting coach, sprint coach, um, strength and conditioning coach, trainer, you know, I've spent all my spare hours just trying to really find the secrets and the habits and the tools that top performing athletes would apply to be the best in their field. So I love learning. I love educating myself. And, and I think that's the biggest gift we can all afford ourselves is investing in ourselves to learn more about our health and our well-being. I think next to you with all this knowledge, I'm the dumb meathead, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, we're all not dumb. And that's a great thing. We're all health hackers. We can all go out and apply the tips, the tools that I'm going to pass on and see if they work for us. That's the great thing. We're all unique. We're all different. It's not a cookie cutter approach when it comes to your health. You need to find what works for you. So I applaud everybody today to go out there and hack your own health. All right. So then after all this uni, what qualification did you get? <laughs> after tens of thousands of dollars, I suppose I come away with a lot of bits of pieces of paper that uh, in a lot of regards are probably as useful as toilet paper if you haven't applied the lessons <laughs> that you've learned from university. So um, I've combined the, the wisdom and, and then the knowledge of applying it as a professional athlete to, to walk away with an economics, finance, an MBA, uh, obviously qualifications in nutrition and sports science and match all these together to form what I call health economics and fitness economics, which is essentially finding out how do you get your biggest bang for your buck when you invest your time, which is your most limited resource to improve your most valuable asset, which is your health. And that's what I do. I basically teach people, I say, if you're going to eat one thing, if you're going to exercise a certain way, do this. This will give you biggest bang for your buck. And that's what life's all about. We're time poor. We don't need to waste our time doing things that don't work. Your nickname should be Roy for return on investment, mate. <laughs> or McGoogle, as my uh, wife likes to call me. Whenever I don't know something, just Google. <laughs> that's actually interesting you mentioned that because I know you are always researching, which is why you wanted to put together a show and share the information you know. How does health hacking work? Well, look, it's a great question because the biggest complaint I have people always say to me is they just don't know where to start. They're so confused. One day a study comes out on eggs are bad for you. The next day they're good for you. And you don't blame the average person. There's 6,800 peer reviewed medical research articles that come out every day. 6,800. Now the, the worst thing about the health industry is, is that if you want to do a study, you can get the result you want if you're willing to bodge the study. I hate to say it, but it's all about commercialization for a lot of these health companies and a lot of people with agendas and axes to grind. So all they do is load the study up to get the result they want. So the general public don't know any better. They read the headline of the study that says you can eat McDonald's and get fit and they believe it. Then they don't know what to believe because one day they're being told this is bad for them, then it's good for them. So what we do is we go in, we research the, the research and see if it's real, see if it's practical and see how people can apply the lessons from that research into their everyday life. All right, Adam, the first set of hacks is coming up next to kickstart your day the right way. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. So we're going to share with you today six great hacks on how to be the best version of you. 
Okay, Alex, like most people out there, you don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to ask you a question now. How do you start your day? How do you wake up? Does the alarm go off? What happens? Yeah, alarm goes off. I use my phone. Um, Oh, no, you've suckered me into a corner here. (laughs) Uh, My phone is right next to my bed. Yep. And then I snooze my phone and then I go back to sleep. Because I I think about it, right? I set my alarm for a little bit earlier than when I actually need to get up. So then I go, oh, yeah, I've got another half hour. And then I go back to bed for half an hour. (laughs) Well, mate, I'm here to break your heart. Unfortunately, you're doing two things wrong there straight away. To kickstart your day, the last thing you want to do is wake up to your phone. And for starters, your phone shouldn't even be in the bedroom with you, unfortunately, because that blue light is not good for your brain. And it's been proven scientifically that when you wake up to your phone, your cortisol levels spike through the roof. So that's a hormone which is basically produced back in the ancestral days when we used to run away from bloody dinosaurs. And the last thing you want to do is have this huge spike of adrenaline and and cortisol in the morning when you lean over and pick up a phone. And it's going to be interfering with your sleep quality as well, that, that phone too close to your brain. So that microwave that you're cooking next to your brain isn't a good thing. And then hitting the snooze button is the worst thing you can do because our bodies have an internal clock and they know when they're about to wake up, the body temperature starts to rise. All of a sudden, you start to release all these chemicals in your brain, dopamine into the bloodstream, which wakes you up and suppresses the feeling of tiredness and sleepiness. So then when you hit the snooze button and you start to go back into that sleep, your, your body then releases the hormones Um, which make you feel tired and confused. So then when you wake up halfway through that sleep cycle, you haven't had a proper sleep. So then you've got this brain fog. You don't know if you're alpha or marfa. If I get an extra half hour, that's actually completely worse. So even though that alarm snapped me out of my sleep, my body was already kind of getting ready for it. Well, your body knows when it's starting to wake up from light and your body temperature starts to rise a couple of degrees. The hormones start to be released in your body and your brain to wake you up for the day ahead. So the worst thing you want to do is put your body back into a, 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 a half sleep cycle. So then you're walking around for half the day, you're still dopey. All right, well then, <laughs> but this is why I have coffee. Because then I, when I get up, I go have, like I have a ritual, I have this really nice espresso maker and I sit there and I grind it and I don't know, it's, it's just a nice ritual. I think routine's important, right? Yeah, well look, routine is important. So make sure that you have an alarm clock in another room or your mobile phone, get up and make yourself switch it off and stay up when you're up. Then whatever you do, don't hit the caffeine too early. I know, I know, I know. Once again, it all comes back to hormones, but for starters, you're going to be dehydrated. You've you've been asleep for seven or eight hours, hopefully, so your body has had no water. And we know that drinking water, you know, when you wake up particularly, increases the flow of oxygen to your brain and your muscles. It aids in the production of new blood cells. It detoxifies you. right. If you want to boost your metabolism, get up in the morning and have 500 mils roughly of water, and you're going to boost your metabolism by nearly 30%. Water is what your body needs, particularly after- That's not a lot of water either. No, and, and that's what you need to do. And if you have a look at the healthiest and happiest people in the world, for example, in Japan, they've got more sanitarians than anybody else. They've got more people that live past 100. They've got 50,000 people in Japan who have lived to 100 years or more currently, which is mind-blowing statistics. So, and that's what they do. That's their common practice in Japan is they get up and they have two full glasses of water first thing in the morning. So there's a really smart health hack for everybody. And you look at their rates of cancer and you look at their rates of diabetes and stuff like that. It has so much benefit drinking water first thing in the morning. So, and remember your brain's 76% water. If you're lacking water, the first thing that's going to suffer is your brain. So it's, it's important to make sure you hydrate and then skip the caffeine. And the reason for this is, is that our body works off that natural body clock, which we spoke about in the first one. Yeah. And think about cortisol as something like your body's natural form of caffeine. Now, between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning, that's when your cortisol level's at their peak. 
Now, that's when your body's naturally in its awakened state. And the other time is between 12 and 1. So what happens if you drink caffeine during this period is that your body becomes desensitized to caffeine. So you're not getting the hit out of coffee that you need. So you have to drink more and more coffee. So coffee's a bloody 10 bucks a pop now, that girdler's grind. So all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got a second mortgage because you're having to drink 15 cups of coffee to stay awake a day. So if you want to get the most bang for your buck with your caffeine hit, save it to after 9 o'clock. Yeah, right. So wait till you get to work, get yourself settled, and then have one. Yeah, and rehydrate because drinking coffee too before you have water is going to increase heartburn. It's going to cause reflux problems. It's going to actually disturb your gut bacteria. So there's a lot of things that, you know, drinking coffee without water first is going to have some problems. But most importantly, it's going to make the caffeine less effective. Okay, so... Alarm not in the room and then wait till about nine o'clock to have your coffee. So what's your next hack? Yeah, pretty simple, you know, is to get out and get a little bit of sunshine in your life because that's how our bodies used to wake up. When Dave was the caveman, our cousin, our brother from another mother, you know, when he was running around, you know, without the skyscrapers and the sunnies, he would go out in the sun. That's when his body knew it was time to get up. And- that, that's an interesting tip as well. Don't go out into sunlight straight away with the, with the sunglass song because our body's natural body clock wakes up when we feel sun. So we have these receptors in our eyes, on our skin, and in our stomach. Really? So when you have something to eat, your body clock gets reset. When, you, when your skin sees and feels the sun, your body clock resets. When your eyes see sunlight, it's time to get going. That's your natural body clock. So get out into the sun first thing in the morning. It'll give you a nice hit of vitamin D, which we now know is so important. For how long? Just a few minutes? or Ten minutes. You know, get out there for, you know, five, ten minutes. So drink your water outside. Go drink your water outside. Go get some fresh air. But that's when your body knows that it's time to wake up. And the other bonus, if you are overweight, research has shown that people that get out in the sun first thing in the morning have a lower body max index of 20% compared to people that don't get sunlight. So they're 20% lighter than people that don't go out in the sun first thing in the morning. So there's a little hack not only to be healthier and happier with the vitamin D production, but also to lose weight. Get out and get some sunshine straight away, and it's free. Okay, while you're out in the sunshine, what I want you to do next is exercise, mate. What do you think is the most effective form of exercise to get your body fired up for the day? Um, uh, Running, I suppose. Running. Push-ups, sit-ups? Well, the most effective form of exercise, believe it or not, NASA has found, is bouncing on a trampoline or a mini tramp. Really? Yeah. I just... Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. I'm thinking of them bouncing in their flight gear. Yeah. yeah. Really? It's the most effective form of exercise as far as NASA is concerned. <laughs> Why? Well, it's they, really easy. Well, they can put people on the moon, so I trust them when it comes to this sort of stuff. So these guys know their stuff. So... And, and the great thing about it is you can go buy a mini tramp for a bugger all or you can go to a garage sale and pick one up. They've found that 10 minutes of jumping on a trampoline is equivalent to running hard for 40 minutes. Really? 10 minutes is what equivalent to 40 minutes of running. Well, it has a number of benefits when you think about it. Firstly, for people who are getting older, it's particularly, there's no impact. But it's the gravitational forces you think of jumping up and down on the trampoline and what it does for your body. So firstly, it acts as a drain of your lymphatic system, which is really important. So we have all these toxins around our body and the way to naturally drain them is through movement. So our lymphatic system is able to detox the body naturally. You don't need to go on some extreme diet or some detox or sip on these fancy teas. You just need to move to detox your body. So jumping on a trampoline does that. It also it increases muscle tone. It increases tendon strength, ligament strength. It's been shown to increase cardiovascular you know, fitness, as I said, four times more than running which is an incredible, incredible bit of information. Side bit of information, 
jumping on a trampoline is also really fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like it's it a pretty good way to start the day. Well, mate, and how good is it from an economical point of view? And this is what we're all about in this show, showing your shortcuts. Why wouldn't you do 10 minutes of that instead of going for a 40-minute row run? Where you get attacked by the dog next door when you're going for the run or yeah, have the radio in your ear, listen to the news. That's it. Just 10 minutes of running on a trampoline is equivalent to 40 minutes. That's incredible. Okay. So I'm up. I've had water. Uh, I've gone outside. I'm now bouncing. So what's next? Well, what's next is you need to have a shower. You're sweated. Oh, so yeah, true. You've got the sweat on, mate. So, you know, unless you're going to want to come in here, I don't want you to smell. I need you to have a shower. And most people just traditionally get up and have a normal hot shower. But as athletes, we usually have what we call hot and cold showers, contrast showers. Oh, yeah. Why do you guys do this? Well, look, once again, it's about firing our bodies up, firing our minds up. They've been proven, once again, to get you into that peak state. Going back to myself, when I used to jump in the shower before a game with Paul Harrigan, we'd have the hot and cold showers and a few people would walk past and go, what are these weirdos doing before we knew it? Everyone was doing it. And um, it was to fire us up, get our nervous system fired up. The great thing about hot and cold showers is you think about it, they get the blood flowing. So when you go from one temperature to another, it forces the blood to move around your body. So you think about when you have a hot shower on your body, the blood is penetrated outside towards the skin. And then when you go cold, the blood then cools inside. So the pulling of the blood in and out is what moves the blood around your body. So the contrast. It starts pumping it around your body. It starts pumping around your body. So, you know, the, the tip is you do one minute of hot. And then about 20 seconds of cold. And then I want you to finish on on cold. And you do that for about five minutes total. You'll be invigorated. You'll feel great. It's been proven to also help things like mood and How depression. Like, like no hot Just on cold. at all? No hot on at all, mate. <sighs> Toughen up, grandma. Okay, good. All right. But it's about the contrast. You know, it's not necessarily about being team extreme and jumping in, you know, uh, steam and then into a frozen bucket of ice. It's just the contrast that actually has that physiological response in your body. Because I'm going to do all these things on behalf of the listener. <laughs> <laughs> and then explain how it goes in episode two. Okay, can I have breakfast now? Because this is a lot of stuff and I haven't eaten yet. You can have breakfast, but don't ruin it by being a fool and grabbing something sugary. Don't try and smash down some fancy breakfast drink. We don't want to go on that sugar roller coaster, I call it. First thing in the morning, you get up. And look, from a an evolutionary point of view, why do we crave sweet things? Because of survival. We knew back in the day when there wasn't a 7-Eleven on every corner or a McDonald's or a Hungry Jack's, Food was scarce. Yeah. So we, we craved sweet things because they were high in energy. But now food's abundant. We don't want to have these high energy foods because what they do is they have a hormonal response. We release all these hormones that all of a sudden give us a massive hit for five minutes and then we crash. So what we need to do is eat breakfast like a man. Power up your morning with some protein. Pretty simple, really. You go to a cafe. A lot of people go to cafes. Have something like the eggs with some avocado um, some salmon even. Um, get up in the morning, have a, some almonds and some Greek yogurt with some oats or have a protein shake. They're great. Grab some sort of protein smoothie in the morning. The key is getting protein because that's what's going to power your muscles. So there's plenty of choices out there, you know, so you don't need to eat, you know, a T-bone steak for breakfast. Protein's everywhere these days. So you just need to find what works for you. And the great thing is they take 10 minutes. Most of these things take a couple of seconds. So first thing is, just change your habit of waking up with the phone next to your bed. Don't put your phone there. Put it in another room or the alarm clock in another room. Make yourself get up, switch it off and stay up. Then after you've done that, I want you to make sure that you go on the H2O first. I know a lot of people have a habit of getting up and having a coffee. Make it a decaf coffee if you have to. But make sure you save that caffeine hit for when your body's going to use it the best. They're about 9 o'clock. Yeah, about 9 o'clock if you can. Then what I want you to do then is make sure you go out and get some sunshine. Like I said to you, your body has always woken up for thousands of years with sunlight. So get out and get some sunlight, not only to wake you up, but to improve your mood. 
Then from there, I simply want you to get out and do a bit of movement and some exercise. Preferably find yourself a mini tramp and just bounce up and down on it for 10 minutes and have some bloody fun while you're doing it. Then once you've got your sweat up, come in and toughen up a bit and don't just have a hot shower. Contrast it, mix it up, have some hot and some cold water. And next thing you know, you're going to have energy for the rest of the day. And end on the cold. End on the cold to make yourself feel alive. That's what we want. Then make sure you power up your morning with some protein. Don't eat breakfast like a little kid anymore. Avoid the sugar so you don't have the crash. And you know what? Power up with that protein. Before you know it, you're going to have the best day ever. These tips are simple and easy, and hopefully you can apply one of them today just to be better. Well, Adam, thank you so much. The first set of hacks. I'm pumped for a whole lot more across this series. If you want to get in touch with the show, head to podcastone.com.au. You can also catch all the episodes there, and don't forget to download the Podcast One app. Adam, I'll speak to you next time. Thank you, and looking forward to catching you next time. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Nick Slater. Executive producer is Jamie Schott. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.